0: Hi everyone this is episode 9 of season 12 of the new world order this is the big feedback show i went out of country for three weeks and i've lost track of who i've responded to what i've said and so on so i'm just going to do it all here on the show we'll get through it some of them you'll hear from again. For instance, Donald wrote me and said that I should do a show, an episode, on Slackware tag files. I'm pretty sure I responded to Donald via email. In fact, I know I did. I'm, I'm sure of it. I think it's a great idea. I really do. It's a, it's one of those things that people kind of talk about, but not really. And those who do don't really say anything specific about it. And then when you're doing an install, Slackware install... You see it you you see a couple of mentions of these uh, of a tag path or something and you think oh yeah that's that tag file thing but you're just not really clear on what it's all about so it's it's actually pretty simple and I will do an episode specifically on that topic once I have it sort of once I've done it in a virtual machine and kind of and can kind of talk our way through it uh, otherwise I think it'll just me be be me sort of reciting things that you can find pretty easily on the internet. So I like to try to bring at least a little something to the show. So yeah, that that will be a future episode, very very soon here. And then let's see. I've got an email from Josh, Josh from webhosting.coop. He says great show on Parallel. It's one of my favorite toys as well, and I totally agree that the documentation is not good. I tend to use echo to make a bunch of statements and then just shove the whole stack at Parallel. Example here. And he links to a little script that he's got on GitHub that um, that uses uh, Parallel. He says, I can tell you also that you get amazingly shorter run times depending on your use case, I also have a script that hunts down spammers based on the structure of their host name and that again he has a link to this uh KSS hunter and I will I will certainly link to that in the show notes and he says the difference is huge 10 minutes versus hours for thousands of host names thanks for the show so I think that's really great to hear from someone who's using this for uh you know it's sort of probably one of the more typical uses really of of just you know, finding things, you, 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 you scrubbing text files, and then processing the data. I just, I imagine that's one of the major use cases for for these sorts of tools, and it's really great to hear that. Yes, indeed, the time the time savings can be huge. Like I say, I I found that the time savings were were worth noting when I was when I was using Parallel, but uh, there are certain bottlenecks, I guess that you can't really get around at a certain point, but with certain things where where yeah, the stack is just endless and you can just throw stuff at it, I think the the time savings can be can be pretty darned incredible. Tony emailed and and asked if I've ever listened to something called Clayborne, a science fiction soap opera from New Zealand. It is, a currently, it is currently available at archive.org, so I'll, I'll pop the, the, the link for that into, into the show notes. And he says that the first time he listened to it, uh, it was from a New Zealand archive source in Ogvorbis, and that was over 10 years ago. So, yeah, this kind of sounds interesting. It's apparently called Tanifa, uh, which is kind of weird because it's spelled Tanifwa, T-A-N-I-W-H-A, but I'm assuming it's in Tereo, which if you'd said that to me three or four years ago, I'd have had no idea what you were talking about, but now I know that that is the native language of the native people, the Mori people of uh, New Zealand. So Tereo, Tereo is uh, their their native tongue, and you pick up a little bit of it, you know, just by, just by living in New Zealand, and the W-H sound... Because, because phonetically, like if you really, it's a little bit of a stretch for an English speaker. But if you think about "tani fo," like the, 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 the act of saying f- fwa, "tani uh there's almost an F sound there. There, it's all, it's almost the, the structure of an F. And so, for for whatever reason, when they transliterated all this stuff, they decided that "wh" would. Be an F sound, the English F sound. I mean, I don't know why you would transliterate it that way. I'm really not sure. Unless there's just some subtlety that just sort of made sense, because maybe it is actually more of a Tanifoie than a Tanifa, and that sort of that makes sense. I don't know. But anyway, that's what it's called. Um, or no, that's not what it's called. It's called Claiborne, but um, he says, Enjoy, beware of the Tanifa and i don't know what that means yet because i haven't heard it but it is kind of interesting to hear about um yeah i might check that out uh, i actually i will check that out it's kind of kind of interesting idea uh 10 years ago ogvorbis sci-fi soap opera from new zealand yes that is intriguing so no i had not heard of this never heard of it yes i'm intrigued i will be checking that out and i'll put a show no- uh, sh- a link in the show notes for that and then um from Doru Barbu from Eastern Europe. I still can't remember where he is and he's not telling me. He's not picking up on the on the hint. Although, you know what? It doesn't matter. He'll tell me and then I'll forget. So he says, um, I have to start by uh, by noting that the impromptu nature of new world order was enjoyable. Uh felt like he was along the ride along, you know, taken along for the ride as it were. So yeah, I'm glad that some people could could sort of stomach the the me caught in an airport and me talking uh, you know stuck in a hotel um i I felt it was really sloppy, but I just kind of felt well, getting an episode out is more important, so that's that's what I went with so he says uh on the topic of ebook readers he he doesn't know he says i don't know what's the th- what it is with Europe and the ebook readers. Uh, You mentioned that yours is from a Polish company, and indeed I did. He says, I have seen readers branded by Ukrainian companies, French, Spanish. It's quite interesting that the market around here seems to be flooded by localized slash rebranded readers based on original made-in-China designs. They're not bad, per se. I had a touchscreen-based one branded by a French company, played with various firmwares, until I settled on one from a Spanish clone. That was the most stable, and I used for quite a while until I gave it to my sister. Uh, and she's still using it. So, And he doesn't say how many years ago that was or anything, but I, I gather from context that it was, it's been a quite a while. So, yeah, he says um, that um, that, yeah, I guess there are a bunch of Eastern European companies Releasing e-readers, and and that is that is interesting, but kind of strangely encouraging to me. Although if it is all just made in China, then that's less exciting to me. I mean nothing against China. It's just economically speaking, uh, everyone seems to be pretty dependent upon them right now, and it, I think it would be kind of nice to to bring back some more more localized more localized effort. And uh, that that being said, uh, he, uh, Doru continues to say. Uh, you were puzzling about CHM. And indeed I was. And he says, it's as far uh, it's as far from comic book formats as possible. CHM is the format that Microsoft was using for software documentation until a few years ago. That's interesting. It's basically a structure of HTML files packaged up in some special way in order to make a chapter and section accessible uh, help document. Okay, so that is... Um, that is interesting to know, and it sounds like almost a precursor in a way to EPUB. So that's... That that's actually kind of, that's kind of interesting to be honest. I mean, I'm suspect of it because it's a Microsoft format apparently, but but I don't know. That's, that's kind of interesting. If it's um if it's like an open standard format, I would look at that. I mean, I'm happy with EPUB, but but that is that's interesting to know about CHM. I'd never, I believe, I'd never heard of it before. And then he says, "Open Android." I'm guessing they're referring to AOSP, which is the Android Open Source Project. As soon as you mentioned installing an app on a touch screenless device, I knew where that was he- heading. Um, I have been playing uh, quite a lot with keyboard navigation on navigation apps, and 99% of them have no concept of tab focus, let alone keyboardless function. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting about Android. I, th- I do think I, th- I think that there's a slight disconnect. In their, in the way that they, well, I guess they they thought they know they knew their audience and their target, and they kind of designed for that, and then it kind of, kind of continued on to reveal that well, it's if if it's open source, it's going to find more targets, chances are, and indeed it has, and so now little things. You know, like being able to focus on something automatically or being able to to zoom for instance it's just i don't know it becomes a problem because we 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 always assumed that you would be doing that with a on a touch on a very specific kind of touch screen, you know a multi touch screen and and you would be using your fingers and you know very sort of rigid and and on one hand, I can understand why you would want to do that because you kind of think well. Let's not design for all possible uses. Let's design for what we need to design for. And, and we'll, we, people can expand later if, if, if required. So I, I get that, and, I, and I, I respect it, but at the same time it does seem problematic now because, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that Android's a little bit rigid in, in what it expects, in how it expects to be used, and, and that has not been the case. So anyway, Doru sent me another email about episode 6 of season 12, and he says, uh, in in 12.6, you were expanding on runtimes, um, a- expounding, really, on runtimes and why you wouldn't call every library a runtime. For interpreted apps, the concept of runtimes is clear. You have your javas, your pythons and so on but if you think about compiled applications the runtime for your application is generated by the compiler when you build your application so i'm going to read that sentence again cuz it's a good one if you think about compiled applications the runtime for your application is generated by the compiler when you build your application i would go so far i would go as far to say that if your application dynamically links to, for instance, the standard C library, then the C library is part of the runtime of your application, because your application needs the C library to function. I think that's a point well made. So that's that's great. I think he's, he's taking what I was kind of musing about and just kind of applying a whole bunch of logic and education to it. So thank you. He continues to say, getting your application and runtime to function on a new machine type is the same. In one case, you need the interpreter that can run on that machine type. In the other you need the compiler that targets the machine. The dependency is still there. I agree with your opinion on multiple levels of runtimes. Libra Office macros in a document running on top of and having Java as a side dependency running on top of the standard C library, running on top of the POSIX environment, running on top of the Linux kernel and process resource management, and I could go a level deeper running on top of an Intel x86-compatible processor. Yes, that's horrible. But platform lock-in is real even for systems with fewer layers of abstraction. Plenty of things that we rely on are controlled by legacy systems. Banks powered by COBOL running on IBM Big Iron, airline check-in and accounting systems still using 16-bit DOS executables the list can go on and on and on so that's a great that's a great uh perspective as well this is this is why listener feedback sometimes can just be so i mean this is this is the episode right here this is this is it so anyway he says um starting from an open source runtime or from a closed source one i feel that the cost of switching is still the same and that is too large for most people or organizations. That's, that is that is a salient point, that one. And then uh, to kind of a completely, well, I was going to say a completely different train of thought, but actually it's not. So he says, last but not least, spreadsheets. There are plenty of people saying that Microsoft Excel is Turing complete. I'm one of those people, and I'm sure that the same applies to LibreOffice spreadsheets. During my time working in IT, I have seen plenty of weird and wonderful tools made by users without any kind of formal or informal programming education, but determined it enough to scratch their itch. The syntax is atrocious, but you're not bound to one liners, you have almost infinite cells, so you can have as many intermediate lines in your program. Then there's this guy. And he sends he, Doru pastes in a YouTube link to a, a, a conference talk by a guy named Kevin Chen and Kevin Chen has has taken has has so he's taken HDR photography which essentially is you take lots of photographs right at, at different you bracket okay so you you take photographs at different light levels some of those light levels are going to be optima optimal for the bright areas some of them are going to be optimal for the dark areas it's called bracketing but but now it's just called h or it's a part of the process of hdr so the computer is supposed to take the bracketed photos and combine the best parts of each so what kevin chen has done is during this talk it's about a 12 minute talk and it is definitely worth watching although it's it, it's almost i mean it's kind of equal parts photography and equal parts excel it's kind of interesting it's it's an interesting mix and um he he's written a spreadsheet Formula, formula in a spreadsheet to to take the parts of the photograph, the good parts and the bad parts of the photograph, and combine them into one, one unified photograph. So he's doing essentially HDR photography in Excel. I mean, he's not really, but he is, essentially. I mean, that's what he's doing. So, it, I mean, it's absurd. The talk is full of lots of laughs, and uh, the people seem to be pretty darned entertained, so I don't even know... It is definitely one of those, you know, why would you ever do this because you can types of um uh, types of talks, but it is it it is funny and interesting and 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 pretty wacky. And and speaking of of funny and interesting and wacky, Doru sent me an attachment that is the beginning of an audio converter application which calls ffmpeg. So he says while he does he has written some Excel macros but he's he's never tried writing something in LibreOffice Basic. Uh, it took him about one and a half hours to get to this level of functionality. It has no safety checks but it does work. Now this is this is simultaneously brilliant and ridiculous and insightful. So first of all his his um, sheety audio converter that's what it's called sheety audio converter. ODS did not work on my system and it was. I th- I'm I'm imagining it's because I probably have a bunch of macro stuff not enabled because I I'm not a heavy spreadsheet user and if I am I'm uh, I don't I don't think I would need macros so I, I I might I might have a bunch of stuff turned off possibly I don't have permissions configured correctly I don't know whatever it was the thing didn't work it 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 didn't browse for files it didn't convert um, I even tried running the macros. Independent of sort of the the GUI, I mean it was in the GUI, but I mean outside of the spreadsheet. So yeah, I could not get the thing to work. But I, I looked at I I looked at what it was, what it contained, and I thought it was pretty pretty amazing. Now I think what I, I mean I I already kind of said this, but I I may as well sort of retouch on it again, and that is that that I think we're 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 learning something here, you know. We're we're getting we're we're getting feedback indirectly from users, from the the greater user base out there, who are saying yes, okay, we will learn to program. That's a huge deal. That's a big deal, right there. People are saying, okay, programming is actually useful. Being able to design my own interface to do ta- to tasks that are important to me. That matters. And and I know that, I mean, there's been a thousand attempts at this. At least a thousand attempts. You know, there's Visual Basic. What was the one for, for Mac? Uh, the one Automator, um, or Automate, or whatever it's called. Uh, well, AppleScript alone. Um, I mean, AppleScript's a pretty big a big thing, I mean, and it is quite geeky. But there have been visual, uh, kind of gooey interfaces to AppleScript as well. So yeah, there there've been lots and lots of things out there where people really really try to make it accessible to people so that they can program and kind of design their own experience. And I think I really really think that that ultimately is what computers ought to be. But I mean, and that's one of the many reasons I love Linux so much, and and Unix broadly, POSIX, because I mean that is that's one of the goals. It, it's, it's a self-stated goal from from way back that, that that we're going to let users use all of these basic commands to construct something more complex that that is useful for them that maybe no one else thought of, or or maybe just no one thought of doing it that way. Because I think that's more, more often than not, that's the thing, right? Like, a lot of times on the internet now, you can find what you need already scripted. It's just whether or not it's exactly the way that you want it done. Whether that means, well, this always starts from the current directory and I don't want it to do that by default. I want to be able to specify a different path. Or whether it means I'm... I'm. I need more of an interface. I don't. I'm not comfortable with just typing in commands, or or whether it means well. That's an interface, but it's just not the, not not an interface that I like to look at. So I don't want that one. You know, it's just it can be any level of dissatisfaction, but the problem isn't usually whether or not the task can be done. It's it's how it is done. Does it really just absolutely fit into your particular, unique, irrational workflow. So the fact that people want to do this deep down I think is a good thing for us to recognize. And I think it's really interesting to recognize that that of all things, spreadsheets... I mean, there. I'm sure there are many other examples, but spreadsheets, of all things, are one of those things where you see a lot of people kind of using it not only to organize their thoughts... And their 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 work, but also to program, you know, like make little programs for themselves, and it's great. But it's it's all it's I I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's a missed opportunity. I feel like there's a missed opportunity here, and I'm not sure what that missed opportunity is because, as I said, there are already other things where people can create applications for themselves, and and they've had mixed result which is success rates um so maybe the missed opportunity is just the tactic of getting people interested in hey look what you can do you can program a little bit i mean maybe we're just delivering that wrong to people you know like maybe and we've got all these kind of weird marketing campaigns everybody should code everybody should do an hour of code everybody should learn how to code and it's just why does everyone need to learn how to code have we sold everyone on that idea yet maybe not maybe we don't need to sell people on it. Maybe we just need to hand them a tool that has that capability and let them kind of sneak their way in through the back. Because that's what people are doing when they're doing spreadsheets. They don't, they're not doing a spreadsheet because they think, well, time for me to learn how to code, finally. They're they're doing it because they need to do accounting. They They need to crunch numbers. They're, guess what? They're using a calculator, which, as we all know, is what a computer is. So they're, They're entering this field from a calculator, and then they're deciding, hey, you know what would be really cool is if I could make this calculator change colors, so that it can really highlight the times that I'm in the red, or when I'm making a profit, or whatever. And then they think, well, if I can do that, I could kind of draw a picture, and if I can make a little picture, what if I split all these cells in eighths, and then I'd even have a better resolution picture and the next thing you know you know th- three years later th- they've got like a literal paint program that they've programmed in a spreadsheet because that was their that that's the the vector by which they discovered the ability to just create whatever they want and that's huge that's a big big deal and i don't know exactly i don't know how to tap into that i just feel like there's got to be something there that's got to mean something to somebody to to recognize that people are are being attracted to the flexibility that computers are supposed to be promising and and providing and they're getting there through a spreadsheet or whatever you know it may not be a spreadsheet for 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 the people that I'm talking about it's a spreadsheet for others it's something else I, and I don't know what it is maybe it's uh Scripting, you know, like batch batch jobs in your graphics application. That's that's one that was one way that I kind of started to get into 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 thinking. Okay, I, I really ought to learn some coding. It was because I needed to batch process a bunch of graphics, and I knew that it, it there was a function for that at first in this closed source application that I used to use, and then later on in GIMP. I knew that there was a way to make it all happen. And then from GIMP I kinda lost I just kinda thought, well, the GUI's kind of not even important. And and then that developed into, okay, image magic. Perfect. But but the point being, you know, is that you, you, you get to some you get to some place through through these odd sort of, I guess, task based applications, you know, they they that that you don't think of as programmable interfaces. They're just the thing that you do. They're the thing that you use when you're doing the thing that you want to do. And then you discover that there's some hidden feature in there that can make your work a lot easier, and then you start taking advantage of that. And then once you've you've figured that out, then I guess it's largely part of human nature to start abusing that information, to, to abuse that knowledge and do something really fun. Somehow, I don't know there needs to be a way for us to capitalize on that um to to leverage that you know so that people people can get excited about creating their own computer experience and 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 actually be able to do it in a sensible kind of way because I mean the i think at the end of the day the spreadsheets <laughs> are not the way to write your you know, audio converters or your um your, you your know, your your paint programs or whatever you're doing in your spreadsheet. That that completely makes no sense. Um it's just yeah, it it seems like we're we need to we need to look at that. And by we, I mean someone else, because I'm not actually all that interested in this topic. But, but some people are, and it just seems, you know, the more I look at that, the more I think, uh, someone's not seeing this for what it is. Okay, I do believe that that's about everything. That's all the, the listener feedback that I've got uh, to catch up on, I think. And um, thanks a lot for listening. I will talk to you next week. Of course, you can email me at clatu at member.fsf.org. That's klaatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.